is the virus still containable in the U.S.? The answer is no. We cannot stop it anymore. The global cannot stop stop it anymore. Wow. It's- Welcome to All About That Base. Uh, today, you're just with your one host, Jenny. Quinn is busy saving lives, so he can't join us. But today, we have a guest, a familiar guest. We have Shrutin Chu, who was with us just two weeks ago. Hi, Shrutin. Hi, everybody. It's me again. <laughs> um, so Shirting, of course, is a molecular epidemiologist at the Harvard T. Chan School of Public Health. And uh, we just talked to her a few weeks ago about the COVID-19 epidemic. At that time, it was just an epidemic. It was rapidly spreading across China. And um, just two weeks later, we are now fully in pandemic territory. Is that correct, Shirting? Yes, we just announced pandemic, I think, two days ago. So can you give us the um, an update on what the current global state is of this pandemic? Yeah, sure. Uh, so as we all know, we're still in the middle of virus spreading, and it will be continuous spreading for, for a while. Um, so once this, this pandemic started, I think it should take a year also to, you know, uh, start residual down and uh, uh, get back to normal. So we're still in the middle or early stage of this pandemic. Globally, we have 125,000 confirmed cases by um, March 13th. Um, and also it's about five on that so far. Um, there are 117 countries has outbreak now going on. Um, but with testing capacity, we can see there's going to be more and more uh, being tested uh, globally. So I can give you an example why we think it's just the beginning of this pandemic based on what we have been seeing uh, in history about flu pandemic. We have been have flu pandemic for four or five times on history. Um, so in the middle of February, actually, our center director, Mark Lipsich, have given exclamation saying it, it's very likely to be a global pandemic. That was one month ago. He said this. And he also said if pandemic happens and we don't take effective controls, considering the R now, the basic reproduction number of this virus is two, this, then we can estimate 20% to 60% of adults worldwide are likely to be infected in the coming year. Wow. So considering this size, the size of this adult population globally, now we saw 125,000 cases, which is a very low number when you think about how many are gonna be when we think about the 20 to 60% of adults worldwide, wow. right? Yeah, so we're in the middle of it or even say early stage of the pandemic. Right. So just to clarify, though, that number 20, you said 20 percent to 70 percent. That uh, to 60 percent. Oh, sorry. We consider are now being uh, lower than uh, before uh, with yes. bad estimation. Yeah. So. So I see. So from 20 percent to 60 percent. But that's if we don't we do not take effective measures. Right. So that's what I'm wondering so- is. Um, have there been any countries that have successfully taken effective measures and contained this virus as of today? Yes, yes. I will first list what the people are doing for these successful, general successful areas. So they do three key things. One is early testing on the large scale of the population. The key is the large scale of the population. Second, case monitoring is where they do contact all the cases and doing all the contact tracing. Second is social distancing, very strict social distancing. 
So at this point, you're asking, like, have countries, have any countries been successfully contained the virus? Okay, we would cautiously say China has controlled the wild at this point, but it at a very painful cost with the lockdown, Wuhan nearby cities, and also performs extremely strong social distancing. We consider this experience may not be flexible for other countries to learn. Mm-hmm. But we know on the outbreak, when it's out of control, like what's going on in Italy, they have to lock down the whole country and try to con- contain the virus, right? So that's where it may happen to other places, it may happen like what happened in China uh, for other places. But when we try to you know, learn from the successful experience, I would say Singapore and Hong Kong are the most successful areas they did uh, to control their virus. Okay. So what did they do? I will use Singapore as an example because we have better data on that. Okay. So first, Singapore was uh, among the first international locations to report cases exported from the epicenter, Wuhan. You know that, right? Uh, it was like the first cases was on the January 23rd. It's like right after the outbreak take off in China. Uh-huh. People started realizing it's taking off in China. So they all had a lot of exported cases to other regions globally. So Singapore was able to capture the first case, exported cases, uh, imported cases on the January 23rd. Then what they do is very critical. They are not only test the contact tracing people, like they're not only test the close contact people with this first case, but they tested almost all people who have respiratory disease who have the symptoms in their population, who seek for healthcare, and uh, they tested negative for other viral patients. They also tested for the coronavirus. That's where they captured four cases without known history, travel history, without known travel history, which means that most likely from local transmission. But they captured early. So they were able to quarantine these people and stop the transmission chain by the early February. That's where until the late of February, they only have 110 cases with no death. That's all their strict testing measures and also strict contact tracing and also the social distancing. They had strong uh, community response at that time, similar like Hong Kong. So that's why how this uh, population being able to control it well and we saw it very successfully. I see, that's amazing. So you're saying that Singapore detected their first case almost around the same time that China announced this epidemic, and yet right now they have zero death from this from this right. new coronavirus. That's amazing. So moving to looking domestically, then, how would you describe the current state of um, this pandemic in the U.S.? Yeah, that's that's kind of where people still doubt it. What's the situation? People are uncertain about what's going on in the U.S. There's a lot of reasons of thinking the uncertainty, but we believe it has been local transmission for a while. I will give you one related genomic analysis. So Trevor Bedford is the top scientist in this field. So they had analysis last month. They found two athletes in Washington state uh, by February 29th. The first one was very early because it's imported cases from Wuhan, China. I I believe that was also like February 23rd sometime that time, like the first batch of exported cases to international. So that's where Washington State captured the first cases, that's imported cases. They sequenced the the data, so they have that virus sequence. Then 
end of February, they got the second sequence that from the diagnosed cases in Washington state. When they do all the uh, available genomic analysis, when they saw the clustering is that the first isolate and the second isolate they cluster together, and that means they, ha they have a transmission chain, but we will think that second one directly come from China or it's, oh, it's local. We consider it's local because there's a very rare variant in these two uh, sequences. Uh, in the two sequences, because it, that's not that's not in the majority viruses from China, because the we consider that that rare variant is mutated was mutated during the first introduction of Washington State, but continuing spreading in the local transmissions, and we found the second one they share the same rare variant. That's where they were considering by the end of February, it's already been about six weeks local transmission. Wow. So we are missing the time. We know their local transmission. Um, so we know now it's pandemic. What we need to do is doing more and more. We can talk about later about the details. But I want to say that based on the data we saw, the U.S. Is, has very severe outbreak. It's on the same tra uh, trajectory with other countries like South Korea, Italy, and Iran, where you know the outbreak is right at the peak. And the people are doing hard, try to control it, but that's the trajectory we're going to. We're just about one week or 10 days behind Italy if we're not doing anything. So I just want to um, review the genomics, which is that we were able to sequence two cases in Washington state. They were six weeks apart, and both cases happened to carry a rare mutation that we don't see in China. And so we can infer from this data that this rare mutation must have happened at some point in Washington and that um, it's not two separate introductions of this virus from China into Washington. It's actually a community transmission. And my understanding is that the, because the community transmission is six weeks apart, we know that lots more other people must have gotten infected between these six weeks. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Okay, so I'm curious because you talked about how it was so important um, in Singapore that they, they did this early massive testing. And of course, by now we've heard so many reports about the CDC essentially bungling that aspect um, of the pandemic um, containment in the US. And I'm just wondering if you know why there were such difficulties creating this test and disseminating it. Yeah, um, so we can list a few things here to say why it's been so difficult uh, creating massive testing for this virus. So first, at the beginning, the criteria on the eligibility of who can get tested is really tight. Like means like the limited people who have tri direct travel history to Wuhan, China at the beginning. That's what that's how people select who should get tested. That's basically only try to capture the imported cases from Wuhan, China. Then later, because all the regions in China had outbreak, so they re released these criteria to people have travel history from all the regions of China. But only until late of last week, it started allowing people to test without travel history or contact tracing. So based on what we're missing here, so first, we don't capture all the imported cases because it's already globally going on for a while. Second, we don't test people that may have local transmission for a while. That's why we have been delaying this much because of this uh, criteria on who can get tested. That's the first thing. Second, there's flaws on the, PC, uh, on the PCR testing case. 
Um, there's something going on at the beginning of CDCs because they want to redesign the PCR testing case. I think the originally they wanted to improve the accuracy of this testing case, um, but actually the redesign of the case has flaws. We found later is that the negative control this case doesn't work. So basically it's resulting in many false negatives. That's where you may hear the news that uh, some people test negative and uh, being released from contact tracing, but then found positive later. Wow. Uh, that's more just because the flaws in the PCR testing uh, part. So that's the second reason, the flaws on the PCR testing case. The third one is actually what's holding the testing now, also since February, it's the regulations on which lab can conduct the tests. So that's, like I mentioned, I think this part so far is a main limiting a limitation on why we cannot test more viruses because it's only allow a very limited labs and steps who can do the testing so far. So PCR case is one thing that's where you got the, uh, samples, but with this PCR case, you still need the lab and lab person to do this all this testing run to get results. So that's a part, the la- number of labs and steps who can do the test run now holds the capacity uh, to testing the virus. And we totally understand the online rationale for federal regulations on the diagnostic assays, but it actually uh, varies the possibility of finding new solutions on this. Um, like some of the researchers have their high throughput research assays for viral testing, but they cannot use it. Um, so that's the situation since February until last week. I think because we know there are more and more evidence we have local transmission, so the regulation has been lifting the bars and give permission to many other lives. Uh, I saw like Washington State, the University of Washington, they start like gathering voluntary people or lives that can get the training on uh, the testing criteria and run the test for people. So that's where we may be able to say a higher capacity for testing the virus in the coming weeks. I see. I guess just like from uh, as a molecular biologist, for us, we just felt this news that the PCR test was not working was just so incredible because PCR is maybe one of the first things you learn in Biolab 101 in college. And so I think it's been very confusing to molecular biologists at how, why this test had such a high false negative rate. And I don't know if, you know, scientists who are closer to working on this epidemic have an understanding if there's something specific about this virus that makes it very difficult to PCR that the rest of us don't understand or um, anything else like that? Uh, Yeah, that's a very good question. So there's a few things we need to know. So first, if we have enough time, we can surely design very good uh, PCR case for the samples and do the testing. Uh, But the things that when outbreak happens in China, people have to design the PCR case as quickly as they can so they can start testing people. So we basically have very limited time to design high quality PCR kits uh, at that point. And that's w- I think that's why the CDC here in the US try to redesign it because apparently we, we think we have more time right at that moment, mm-hmm. uh, but actually we, we don't. So the first thing is that we have limited time to design PCR which are already being like limited to the qualities we can control at the beginning. And also because we, ha- we have we have demands on this massive testing. So multiple industries and companies are producing these kits. So they have inconsistent quality uh, because different companies are 
producing it, uh, but that's still needed because we, we, we need to test more people. It's just so stretching when you think about this. You may, I mean, the resource becomes so stretching under this huge outbreak. Another thing is the samples. So basically, if the PCR, if we're assuming the PCR case qualities are great, um, but we need to get samples from patients. There are people need, working to use these kids to get samples. That's a part another quality concern needed. That's where also the virus gets sneaky here uh, because many of the, usually we got novel swabs to test the virus for the respiratory virus uh, testing. But for this virus, it seems that um, nozzle swabs may have very light virus at different stage of this uh, disease development. It may have more virus in the deep lung fluid, actually. So that's where it's hard to get the deep fluid from uh, patients. Uh, people still using more swabs uh, from nasal area. So that's where, that may already be like light sensitivity to test the virus. I see. Uh, so that's why if, if we're assuming the PCR case is great, it's 100% great, we still only have 30 to 50% of sensitivity to test the virus uh, at this point. So it's, it means like both the PCR kits are not perfect and also the samples from nasal uh, swabs may not be perfect. Okay, so um, you described the outbreak in the US as severe. I'm curious at this point, is it containable? I know there's a lot of talk about flattening the curve. So does that mean that we're just trying to, we're, we've sort of accepted that the virus is not containable, but we're trying to you know, decrease the rate of people getting it? Yeah, I know that's a key question we want to, we need to answer and what we need to do. That's a very important question. So basically the first question, is the virus still containable in the US? The answer is no, we cannot stop it anymore. The global cannot step, stop it anymore. Wow. It's just... It's just how fast it will be spreading. And that's a key thing, the time. The time to control speed of the virus spreading is more important. So like I mentioned uh, in the analysis, the genomic analysis, we, how, how, how many weeks has been there in the middle being right. for local transmission? Six weeks. Right. That was end of February. Until now, it's maybe already two months of local transmission. So we have missed chance for weeks. And this is really like the early time of Wuhan, if you think about that, uh, where we don't feel like any outbreak, outbreaks going on, but later it exploded. That's what we saw in Wuhan, what we saw in South Korea and uh, Italy and also Iran. So that's, that's what we say. We're in the same trajectory with these countries because of the data, because of that's a nature spread of this virus we, if we don't do anything to stop it. Um, so like you mentioned, there's a popular figure about Lightening this curve, that's yes. the epidemic curve, which had to do that's translate to more easier way to think about it is to slow down the outbreak. We know it's everywhere, and the, we know the testing case is far away from the true number. The true number is way higher. We mainly consider we got the true cases only less than 10%, actually. So far, we have like 1,500 in the US. Yep. Probably the magnitude should increase one level. Of oh my 10. God. You know, based on the number we saw from other countries yeah. and mm -hmm. based on the testing capacity here in the U.S., the testing uh -huh. capacity limiting. Uh, so that's kind of a reasonable estimation. But so that's why we're saying the important thing to do is slow down the outbreak. 
you all saw the epidemic curve. Why that's important? It's because the healthcare system capacity. So we have two things. Two things are important: massive testing and also try to take care of their healthcare system capacity here. Um, the curve showing is that if all cases peaked in two weeks, our healthcare capacity will break down. Uh, we're not able to treat enough people. We'll not be able to save many people's life just because our health system uh, cannot take that many people at one short time. And if we slow it down, so the severe cases will also have longer time to show up.、Mm-hmm. So that's where your health system can slowly take in more patients and treat them and cure them and save more lives. So that's the most important thing we need to do. And、uh, Another thing is that make us very concerned is that it's the limiting hospital beds we have in the U.S. So the U.S. only have two point three hospital beds per one thousand people. Okay. It's it's that's fewer than in Italy. Italy has three point two beds per one thousand people.、Mm-hmm. China has point three. South Korea has. Sorry, say that again. China has how many? How many? Four point three. Okay. Four point three, and South Korea has twelve point three. And why this is important? Because this is really related, directly related to their case fatality rate. Because South Korea has higher hospital bed capacity, we saw a very low case fatality rate in South Korea. It's point four or point five. Uh. Percent. It means five percent died per one thousand.、Mm-hmm. But in Iran, Italy, so far it's five percent, which means it's ten times higher、wow. case fatality rates in South Korea. So that's where the part decides how many people would die. The healthcare system, the capacity of holding how many patients at the same time. And another thing, I know people keep thinking, keep. Mentioning there are many other diseases are going on and cause more deaths when we saw the numbers, but things that the other many diseases like cancer or、uh, chronic infectious disease they're not, you know, burdening the hospital in two ways. Right, right. That's a difference. So the timing here is very important. That's why we need to slow down the outbreak. What should we do based on the successful experience from other countries? We need to do massive testing. To find more cases and stop them spreading virus to others, because most of most of them will be mild cases. They can stay at home. They can be being self cured because of the nature of the virus.、Um, but then we can also identify who needs the care at the point and send them to hospital, treat them. So basically, you cut. You try to, with massive testing. You can target who are the source of the virus and stop them spreading, and then. Another thing is social distancing. That's what we're talking mostly recent days. How are we going to do it? Why we need to do it? Because social distancing will slow down the chain of transmission because we don't contact much between people, and the virus cannot transmit to the next person that quick. And how are we going to do it? So far, I know since this week, several schools and in several states, they start taking actions like、uh, changing classes to online class, stop gathering. Uh, stop gathering people that have more than 25 people.、Um, I think this is important, but that's not enough. 
only universities take action is not enough. We need as many as people can do it, do the social distancing. That's gonna be the better situation we can see. So how are we gonna do it and who can do this? Any people who can work from home, do it. I know, we all know that many people cannot work from home. So let these critical people go to work, but the people who can stay home, stay home to work. That's where social distancing also being established because you reduce the meeting people and contacting people. Another thing is that for conference gathering, social gathering, and the church gathering. I think this is also the key part we need to target. I know people are taking action. This is a good thing, but not enough, like I said, because the outbreak is count by day. It's count by day. Each day we lose the time. Each day we saw a later burden, a later loss, a huge loss in two weeks or three weeks. That's why we urge people to take action immediately. The healthcare system needs to massively testing people. And personally, we need to do social distancing, work from home, and perform basic hygiene. If you feel a little bit sick, now go to work. If you feel your, if you have any people in your home sick, stay at home because you may also get infected but just not showing symptoms. So that's a key thing we need to do. Any minute, we need to take action. So I think I think that's important. That's a key thing uh, to relieve their health uh, care system burden because we don't want to say many people cannot get treated um, when they got sick. And the, not only the, the patients from coronavirus, but also many other patients, not in fact coronavirus, they need health resource to treat their disease. So all the things is that the coronavirus will not only affect the people who got infected, but also impact people who need treatment for their other disease, their uh, chronic disease, um, anything. Yeah. So that's so, a key thing. And now. do you expect that, um, so yeah, so right now we have schools closing, the universities are closing, a lot of people are told to work from home. Do you expect that soon we'll see like restaurants and bars also closing and essentially just like any business where people gather will will soon be closed also? That's that's a good question. If, if I have the uh, right to do these decisions, make yes. these decisions. I surely will encourage people to dismiss all this gathering, and okay. no matter in bars or in the public uh, areas or anything. But I know different places have different policies so far, and I don't know how strict people can uh, put, you know, these measures on different parts of this society. Bodies, you know, right. there are some companies, industries, and also little, uh, you know, personal individual business. I don't know how much people can take. People, people can bear the loss. Yes. So I think that's where the different, the difficult part will be. We will see economic loss. We will see uh, many other losses at this point um, because of this outbreak. But we have to think about the balance. Yes. Uh, where we need to make the normal function, the, the society normal function going, but also we need to contain the outbreak. So that's why we encourage doing anything that can do social distancing, um, but we don't expect it's going to be 100% perfect. We don't expect it's going to be like in China, what happened in, like for, for about two months ago, uh, since, since end of January and until recently they start doing they start back to normal life 
but they do have very strict uh, social distancing measures. It's almost 90% of the population is not moving around. They are staying at home most of the time. So we imagine that that's, that's kind of very extreme measures of social distancing, right? Uh, so, but we mentioned it's not flexible because we, we have to think about the laws of the society and how people can bear that um, to still make it normal function, relatively normal function. Right. Uh, so and there's a balance. There's a balance. I mean, we cannot force everybody to do this, but I think still uh, as many people can do, do it. Okay. And one last question before you go, which is how long do you foresee us in this um, in this phase where everyone is practicing social distancing and working from home? Is it weeks, months, a year? There's some talks that this coronavirus could become uh, seasonal and come back year after year. Um, are there any hypotheses from your end at this point? Right. Um, so when you, when you ask me how we're going to look at the near future or far future, um, I, I may not be able to say accurately or, or predict, predict it um, because it really depends on how fast we act at this critical time. Like I said, it seems based on the data, we're on the same trajectory with Italy, with Iran, um, and we're only 10 days behind. So if, if we don't do better at this moment, we will say peak in two weeks or even more cases in, two, in three or a month. Um, but if we do better, we may be able to slow it down and uh, the impact being minimized and uh, we can still like holding uh, basically the normal functions so, like class can go back to normal or business can go back to normal. Uh, but I think this three or four weeks that is, is at this point is very critical. Um, I would say probably month uh, but we don't know, you know, because different populations, different states have different policy and different places have different uh, spreading situation. So we don't know how long it will be, but we think now we should take action and slow it down. Um, when it's getting better, we know we have we, our measures have effects on the outbreak and where we can end this early. So basically, it means we, if we take action now, we can end early. If we don't take action now, it can last for several months or longer. Um, speaking of the seasonality possibility of this virus, it's very likely um, based on our experience on flu uh, pandemic. And also, um, you know, we already have four types of seasonal coronavirus at this point. So there's very likely we have the fifth, fifth one from this coronavirus. And, but, but we won't worry much when it becomes seasonal. It's going to be like flu. We will, we will have time to deal with it. And plus, we're doing vaccine design, treatment design at this moment. We hope they can come out soon, uh, but that takes time. We, we may say it's in two years, the treatment of the vaccine will work. But like I said, this is a critical time for the pandemic. We have to slow it down because there are so many regions, not like the U.S., not like Europe. They have, we have more resources. We still have many, many people living in the very stretched healthcare system. That's a major part of what we need to be concerned at this moment and need to take action as fast as we can. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Chia That was very informative. I've been obsessively reading about COVID-19 for the past two weeks, and this podcast has even been more informative on top of that. So um, I just want to thank you again so much for taking your time out to talk to us. And I hope I don't talk to you again, because I hope we don't have to do another update. But <laughs> I hope so too. Let's hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Okay, and great. it's my pleasure to be here to talk with you. Thank you so much.